0: Well, today we are continuing in our series, Everyday Disciple. We started this study last week and uh, kicked things off, really striving to talk about what it means to be called into relationship with Jesus. See, we, we tend to, to look at, at the disciples, we, we tend to look at our role as followers of Jesus as just something that is, that is just something we are. And we don't often look at, 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 at that role as something that we do. But as disciples or, or true followers of, of Jesus, we're called to call others. We're called to lead others. We're, we're called to actively be led by the Spirit to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. And we, we sometimes fall short of that in our relationships and in our priorities. But the reality is that's what we've been called to do. The same way that Jesus called His disciples And called them to reach and seek and save the lost. We are called to do the same. The reality is that in order to be everyday disciples, our walk with Jesus should translate to every aspect of our lives. Everything we do. Not just when we come to church. Not just when we get the gumption to to say something great about God. You know, or you know, when somebody sneezes, we say, God bless you. You know, and they're like, there's my Christian duty for the day. We have to remember what we we talked about last week. God has created us with a purpose. He's given us a perfect example in Jesus of what it looks like to follow Him. He's called us to go daily into the space and context that God has placed us in. As we step deeper and deeper into this call to follow Jesus with our whole heart, we have to embrace something. A true disciple is called To serve Jesus at and through their work like every one of us has been called to something and it's not just the place that that God God's put us it's a place where he's called us to shine his light and so when we embrace this aspect of work it shouldn't be something that we look at and go oh this is just my lot in life it's just something I have to do but we can see it as our mission mission field We can see work as something more than just a menial task to take care of before we go home and relax. If you would open your Bibles today to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, starting in verse 22. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If you don't, you can jump on the Bible app and and, uh, follow along with us. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 Paul writes this. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that you have given us work to do. You've given us things to invest ourselves in. So God, we pray that you would help us to see our work with new eyes. No matter where we, when we invest ourselves, we, we pray that you'd help us to see the work that you've given us to do with your heart. That we would invest ourselves fully as unto you. And that through our work, through our influence, through our efforts, through our investments, people would be brought closer and closer to a relationship with you. Father, we we love you and we thank you for what you're doing. We celebrate your goodness today. We ask that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. And we thank you for challenging us where we're at. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this passage of Scripture is interesting because Paul is in the midst of addressing family members in the prior verses. He's talking about, you know, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. And he's gone through all this stuff, children obey your parents. And then he comes to work. And he gives specific instructions to us on how we're called to work. And he's, he's talking about slaves or bondservants, as they were called in the day. And this, this, this word bondservant comes from the Greek term doulos, meaning a person under the command or obligation of another. The word is fairly translated in a lot of translations of scripture as slave, which gives a very negative connotation to us this day and age. But most people don't understand that the term slave was not quite what we thought it to be um, as it was practiced in that day. In most cases, these people were a part of the household of someone and they were, they were very much under the, the, the master's care. And in this context, bond servants were considered to be loved, to be cared for, Yet they they didn't enjoy the same freedom as their masters or the the family members. But according to Paul, these servants are to show submission and obedience to their masters. They're to obey. And rather than teaching Christian slaves to rebel, Paul encourages them to obey willingly, to do it with a, a good heart. He specifically talks obedience about obedience not being something that we do for, for show only, but we do it with sincerity. It's not supposed to meet the bare minimum, minimum requirements of the master, but, but that we, we invest our whole hearts into our work. See, shallow service, done only when the master is watching, is the kind of work done by people-pleasers, not God-pleasers. And so we've got to approach our work in attitude of sincerity. Today, I, I want us to consider three key elements to truly working for the Lord, as the Apostle Paul puts it in this passage of Scripture. But first, it's, it's important that we see value in what God has given us to do and the context in which he's placed us. See, it's no accident that you're where you are. That God has placed you exactly where you're at. And we can sometimes have a very narrow view of, of, of what we do or, or the work that we've been given to do. Maybe the, 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 the term that, or the phrase that would come to mind is, what I do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If I showed up, if I didn't show up, nobody would care. And so we have a very small view of, of the investment that we make. Or perhaps we sometimes fall into the trap of thinking too highly of what we do. And we begin to, you know, kind of say the phrase, what I do is the only thing that matters. I know there's nobody here like that. But sometimes we get a little bit of a high view of our investments and the things we do and the people we influence. But for many of us, we spend our time comparing what we do to the value of people around us and what they do we find ourselves in this comparison game i once heard of the passenger jet that was navigating through a a severe thunderstorm and as the passengers were being bounced around by the the turbulence a, a young woman turned to an evangelist sitting next to her and he asked sir you are a man of god can't you do something about this storm to which he replied, Lady, I'm in sales, not management. <laughs> See, we sometimes look around and we, 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 we get a little bit too high of a view of the things that people do around us. We think, ah, oh, this person can just take care of it. I, I can't. I can remember when Gretchen and I moved down here to come on staff at Oak Creek Christian Center in, t- in 2010, uh, as most of you know, I, I like to umpire baseball on the side. It's one of my, my passions, one of my hobbies. And I can remember coming down, and I'd, I'd worked up in Salem for three years and came down to Albany, and I started working with my umpiring mentor. His name's Randy. And the first time we walked out onto the field at South Albany High School, he introduces me to the, to the coach. He said, Chad, this is, this is Dan. He's the preacher. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And he said, I want you to know if you come out on us and you argue any calls or you cuss at us, he's going to send you to hell and damnation. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. It's above my pay grade. We're good. We're good. It's not, I might eject you, but I'm not going to. But we all come to that place of having to embrace that God has given us something to do. And sometimes our view is, is, is not great. But We talked last week about the, the age-old question, what do you want to do when you grow up? We find ourselves asking that question sometimes early on in life and sometimes later in life. But it's interesting. People today m- tend to move from job to job at a high rate. You don't, you don't often see somebody who's been at a company for 30 years anymore. In the U.S., the average amount of time a work, worker aged 25 to 34 spends with an employer is just over two and a half years. Isn't that crazy? And yet God has given us something to do. He's, he's given us influence. What if rather than seeing your job as a, as a way to be paid or compensated, you saw it as an extension of your faith? See, today our our series on discipleship continues as we look at what it means to be a disciple at our place of work. Because we can do that too. That's what it means to be an everyday disciple. And today as we consider how we're called to serve Jesus through our work, there's three, three realities that will move us to the place of truly becoming everyday disciples. The first one is this. Enthusiasm brings purpose to work. When you get excited about what you do, people notice. If you if you wander into work on Monday, and you're like, oh, uh, uh, I'm so excited to be here. Work's great. Love my life. God, do something amazing. I love it. Then that's what it's going to be. You know, it's like, it's like Eeyore, you know, where's my tail? I just don't know where. And we mope around like, you know, we're waiting for something great to happen in our lives. And that's what people see and embrace. Show of hands, how many many here work? Yeah, 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 most of us. And we all do something. Perhaps maybe you're... You have a you you work and you have a career and you do something. Maybe you're a homemaker and that's your work and that's (laughs) a full time job, we all know that. Maybe you're a student and your classroom is your workplace. Or maybe you're retired and you've put in the work and now you're finding purpose in other things. But we all do something. But the question becomes, how do you view your work? How do you view each day that you've been given? to invest yourself, to influence, to be a part of what God is doing. See, if you were to classify work somewhere between an absolute grind and it being the greatest effort to which you aspire, where would you place it? Some may consider work a real drag. The Eeyore, you know, mentality. Whether it's your work you get paid for or housework or homework or whatever it is, Some may see paid work in terms of money as a way of purchasing a comfortable life. For some, it might be a way to satisfy your longing to matter or to be recognized. Some may see work as a way to use and develop skills or a way to accomplish something meaningful. Others may consider work as a way to just serve people. Those are all noble things. We we likely experience... Each of those feelings throughout our lives, though, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. See, if the Lord was standing here, standing next to you when you go to work, do you think you'd walk in with an Eeyore? Like, hey, God, <laughs> so glad to be here. Really glad you're here, too. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I wouldn't. I'd be like, okay, what are we going to do? I want to get it done. I want to make it good. I want to go above and beyond. But that's not always how we navigate. Ephesians 3.20 in the New Living Translation says, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Does it say, all glory to God who made me great and just allows me to be great? Aren't I great? Can't we all celebrate my greatness? No. Through his mighty power at work within us. That's what makes us great. That's what makes us worth imitating, it's the power of God at work in our lives. See, when we embrace work with enthusiasm, we find greater levels of purpose in the work we do and those whom we're serving. The excitement be- becomes evident. It's something that people see. So what gets your attention in life? What gets you up in the morning? What excites you? Do you bring those things into your workplace or is it just kind of, like, meh, eh, eh. each of these questions is interrelated. What gets your attention? What gets you up? What excites you? And you can always measure how far a person will go in life by measuring their enthusiasm level. Excited people, optimistic people, people who set goals, who plan, who prepare, they will go far in life because they're looking towards the future. When we just dwell on the past and all the things that have happened and it's oh my gosh and I don't know it it makes it really difficult to navigate forward so the question becomes are you an enthusiastic person (laughs) if we were handing out enthusiastic person you know buttons you know as you leave leave church today would you grab one and be like I'm enthusiastic (laughs) probably not everybody if we're going to be honest. But the reality is the size of your God determines the size of your goals in life. Small God, small goals. Big God, big dreams. And the size of your goals in life determine how excited you get about working to accomplish them. Because if we truly are excited about what God is doing in our lives, then we'll be excited about the work we get to do. It might not always be fun, but we can at least get excited about where God has placed us. But there's a lot of things in life that take away from our enthusiasm. Here's five. Past sins. Sins that bog us down. Satan likes to remind you of your sinful past. That's his greatest ploy is to tell you what you've done and here's the good news in Christ you're a new creation the old is gone the new has come hello that's a good amen point thank you forced but thank you second thing that takes away from enthusiasm circumstances our circumstances can drain and rob us of our joy but remember, there are things that you have no control over. But you do have control over how much you will believe God in your response. You absolutely have control over that. People. <laughs> I know this is, you know, you're not supposed to say this at church. But people can drain us of our enthusiasm. We call them, we call them... <laughs> I guess, I guess I asked for that, didn't I? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We call them suckers, right? They're the ones that s- they, they suck the life out of you. But, but, but people can drain us of our enthusiasm. You, just, you leave and you're like, right? You, go to, you, h- you hang out and you're like, okay, when we go to the nose, that's when it's time to, to leave, you know? We don't use the nose, just so we it's the It's the ear, no. But rather than letting people drain you, try to fill them up with Jesus' love. And not in the Sunday school churchy sense. Just loving them. Loving them through the tough stuff. Loving them through the, the, the hard conversations, through the emotional drain. When you feel drained, love more. Criticism. When you're criticized, don't let it stop you. Yeah, there's the old quote, you know, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them. They all stink. Like, don't, don't get sucked into people's opinions too much because there's always going to be criticism. But we don't have to receive it all. If you can receive a part of it and learn something, great. But you don't have to carry it as a burden like a backpack. And here's a question. Would you rather be criticized for failure or for excitement? I'd rather be criticized for excessive excitement. Oh, he's too optimistic. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's just got rosy-colored glasses on. Well, you want to borrow (laughs) them? I mean, mean, would you rather be criticized for being a grumpy Gus or a negative Nancy or too much of an optimist? Paul to any Gusses or Nancys in the house. The final thing that robs us of enthusiasm is past failures truth is every one of us has failed at something, but failure is never final, unless you allow it to be. See, failure is a great teacher. The question is, are you a good student? Are you willing to embrace your failures and say, I can learn something? I can grow in this. Don't let your circumstances rob you of the life and the passion and the enthusiasm that, that God has given you to pursue his purposes. Don't let it take you out. Don't let it stop your journey. So we've got to understand and remember that enthusiasm brings purpose. The second thing is this, determine and dedication, determination and dedication make work an eternal investment. See, when we, when we commit ourselves to something, we allow the Spirit of God to work through us, there will be eternal ramifications to what we do. The truest model of a disciple of Jesus is someone who refuses to give up. What if Jesus had gone to the garden and was like, God, take this cup from me, but my will be done. And he decided he didn't want to go to the cross. He exits stage left, He got on his donkey and headed for the hills, never to be found again. What if he had given up? See, determination is a mindset. It's it's not something we do once or once in a while. Determination has to be an attitude of life. It has to be a, a mindset. It has to be a daily decision. Luke 9.62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. When we put our hands on the work that God has given us to do, we should be looking forward to where He's bringing us, where He's taking us, what He's doing, what He's desiring to do, who He's desiring that we would reach and influence for His glory. Revelation 6, 9, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, the harvest doesn't come if we give up and say, well, this is just getting too hard. And we're not talking about a harvest of seeds and grain and corn and wonderful things that'll bring a, a wonderful bounty to our tables. We're talking about a harvest of souls. That's what it means to be a disciple, to call people to follow Jesus, to influence people so that they see him in us. And if we give up, there are eternal consequences. I read an anonymous quote. that says, remember that the oak tree is nothing but a little acorn that refused to give up. I love that. Just a little acorn. Planted in the ground and... The motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar, said, I believe sec- success is achieved by ordinary people with extraordinary determination. See, you don't have to be some amazing leader or influencer or whatever. You just have to be dedicated to what you're doing. You have to be committed to what God is saying for you to do. Because determination is an attitude of life. When God says go, are you willing to take the first steps or do you want to analyze the original Greek construction or organize someone else to do it or agonize in prayer before you make a decision? We call it in the business world analysis paralysis. See, determination is not the absence of fear. There's been... Many times in my life, I've been determined to do a job for God, but in my heart, I was terrified. Take lead pastoring, for example. (laughs) We have to be willing to step in to the difficulty and the struggle and the stretch that God desires to do in our lives, or we're never going to see the God sized dreams come to fruition. We're never going to see the influence that God desires to bring through our lives come to a place of making an impact. Determination is when you see a goal, you have a plan and move ahead in spite of your fear, knowing that the Spirit of God will give you what you need to help you reach your objective. And in this case, it's to influence and impact people. But we've got to be willing to embrace enthusiasm brings purpose determination and dedication make work an eternal investment and the final thing is this vision for god's work helps us to serve his purpose with sincerity That's what paul talks about working with sincerity as unto christ see the common characteristic in dedicated followers of jesus is their ability to see where they're going, to see what they're meant to accomplish, to see how to get there, and to see how to overcome the obstacles in life. Because there's always going to be obstacles. They may be people, they may be situations or circumstances, there's always going to be struggles. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And it's important that we note Paul's words in the text. Let's go back to Colossians 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. See, the work we do must be done in sincerity. Because when we do it in sincerity, then he gets the glory, not us. If it's done because we're interested in impressing people or advancing our careers or being people pleasers, then, then it'll be a big fat lie and people will see it. Verse 22, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. We can't be effective disciples at work if our motivation is in other things. But if we understand that we've been called by God and we know the love God has for us in Jesus, then as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, we will be compelled by that love to serve others. When we embrace the love that we've been given, we will be compelled to love other people. This is similar to something that Martin Luther King Jr. said in a, in a sermon of his. He was giving the illustration of a, a street sweeper. And he said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven co- composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Whatever it is that God has given you to do, you have the choice on how you'll do it. If you approach your job, no matter what it is this way, you are serving the Lord. And you will be inspired to do your very best. Because if it's as unto Christ, if we work for the glory of the one who created us, who called us by name, who knew us when we were knitted in our mother's womb, who knows the hairs on our head, who knows our ends from our beginnings, (laughs) when we desire to glorify him, it causes us to engage life a little bit differently. each new day has these three elements excitement determination and vision for what god is desiring to do in our lives and our prayer for a new day should be god you are going to do something exciting today would you let me get in on what you're going to do how many times has that been our prayer God, you're going to do some incredible things today. You're going to work miracles. You're going to change people's lives. You're going to transform hearts. I want to be in on that. When God lets you know what he's doing, your response can be excitement. When you remember you're on his team. You imagine that? I mean, think about teams for just a second. We're closing here, don't worry. You imagine getting up every day and knowing you're you're on the winning team, knowing that no matter what you do, you can't lose. (laughs) I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to sign up for that? You're on God's team. You'll have determination. You can't give up because people's eternal lives are at stake. A pastor I used to serve under said, they're never dying souls. Do we look at people and see their souls? Do we look at people and see them as people who are either going to heaven or going to hell? There is no in-between. I'm sorry. Because they're going to end up somewhere. And if we just embrace our Christianity as our license to go to heaven and we don't see it as a mandate to take people with us, we're missing what it means to be called a follower of Jesus. When we let God show us what He's doing in our lives, we'll have vision. You'll see what God sees and you'll want to accomplish it in your life for His glory. You'll want to see his purposes be at the forefront so we have to make the decision every day to be everyday disciples of Jesus to truly lead people into a relationship with him where we'll be filled with excitement determination and vision for what God is desiring to do in the lives of the people around us would you stand to your feet this morning father we love you And we thank you. We're grateful that you're calling us to yourself and that you have work for us to do. So God, would you renew in us an understanding of what your desire is for our lives. We commit ourselves to you today and we thank you for what you're going to accomplish in and through each and every one of us. God, we worship you.